And Vrilcast 4. Today we're going to be talking about maximizing your holistic health, especially in very packed, very inflexible schedules. Basically going to be giving you guys protocols from start to finish if you have a busy workday, especially if you're going into work, some low-hanging fruit to swap out in those protocols, just a bunch of information for how to optimize your holistic health in a busy day. Yeah, and this is going to be really helpful to people who have some pretty serious constraints, like if you need to be at a job that's in person, nine to five, eight to six, whatever it is, if you have family obligations, if you have kids, if you just have things that you simply can't get around, there's a lot of excuses you can make essentially, but we're here today to tell you exactly how and give you the protocols on how to completely make your day holistically healthy, regardless of how packed and flexible and constrained your schedule and your lifestyle may be. Yeah. So wake to sleep protocols. Let's start with when you wake up. So when you wake up, ideally you want to have a circadian rhythm already in place, but let's go off the presumption that you don't. So when you wake up, you immediately want to get the UVA and the UVB sunlight rays into your eyes. This goes for when it's cloudy outside, when it's sunny outside. It's also a good time to get breath, breath work in. The four, four second box method, personally, I, I like to use. It's basically four second inhale, hold for four seconds, four second exhale, hold for four seconds, and you repeat that kind of like a box. And getting the morning sunlight into your eyes, it's very important, especially on the cloudy days, because that, that, like, it takes even more time for the UVA and the UVB rays to sink in. Uh, do you have anything you like to do when you immediately wake up? Yeah, so right, we have to assume that people are waking up around six or seven o'clock, seven at the latest, probably if they have an in-person job. And just just to set the context, right? I've worked in corporate. I still work in corporate. For you now. don't have much experience working in corporate or any at all, <laughs> but not. you do have experience in college, which can be busy in its own right. So we do have a frame of reference for this. Um, and I I work in Midtown Manhattan in a pretty big corporation so it's pretty constrained it's pretty busy and we've sort of built that around built this uh, list of protocols around that most people when they wake up in a setting like that they're not doing breath work yeah but they could they could if they want to if they want to calm down their uh, sympathetic nervous system sort of shifted to a bit more of a parasympathetic state but yeah Right when you wake up, essentially within five minutes, you want to be outside, like my brother was saying. Or just um, looking outside without, without any yeah, plastic barrier. Exactly. So you want to open a window in a spot of, of your house or apartment that's actually facing the sun. You don't want to be like facing the other way that has no sun yet. Mm -hmm. uh, right when you wake up, we'd suggest drinking about half a liter of some reverse osmosis or other filtered water. It could be bottled reverse osmosis water. It could be from your own filter with just a little pinch of sea salt. If you salt your food enough, that's not even necessary. And then go straight outside or do some other sort of sun viewing. At least make 10 to 20 minutes to take a walk or even five minutes to take a walk. If you can't make five minutes to take a walk, consider waking up five minutes earlier. It might be worth it. Uh, again, the caveat is that you need to face the sun when you're doing this. Once you take a walk for a few days or so, you'll know where the sun is located. I don't know if this is correct, but it rises in the east and sets in the west. Yeah, because Maybe. Japan is the, uh, the land of the rising sun. And Japan's all the way on the yeah, east of yeah. the world. So either way, you'll know where the sun is located in your particular house, your particular neighborhood. Um, now, of course, a lot of us were waking up before the sun even rises especially when it's winter on the east coast the sun is rising at like eight in the morning most people are at work by then or on the way to work so for at least half the year you'd be waking up before the sun rises so what do you do in that case one thing uh, that you can consider doing is investing 100 to 200 dollars in a basically a very bright lamp that sort of mimics the sun it's totally not the same but it's the closest you can get and these are called 10,000 LUX, that's three letters, lamps that you can sort of just turn on while you're brushing your teeth and stuff, put it in your bathroom. And there's a lot of studies backing up the benefits of bright light, 
specifically on seasonal depression disorder, on just mood in general. It's very scientifically backed. If you can't do that, then something super accessible, just turning up all the lights in your house super bright yeah. until the sun can come up. And then when the sun can come up, whether that's on your way to work, whether that's when, if you commute and don't drive, like a lot of us in New York do, then you have plenty of opportunities to sort of view the sun when you're walking and commute, <laughs> commuting as well. Um, I've been rambling for a while, so feel free to stop me whenever. Yeah, so some caveats in that. You said that uh, the pinch of salt inside of the reverse osmosis water isn't needed if you salt your food. I'd actually say, so reverse osmosis water, for those that don't know, it's pretty much dead water. Uh, the reverse osmosis filtration process pretty much gets rid of all of the total dissolved solids in the water. So that means all of the minerals within the water are gone. So that means the good minerals that you want aren't there. But with that trade-off, none of the bad minerals you want are there. So remineralizing it with a high-quality sea salt in the morning is vital because you're basically, if you're using reverse osmosis, let me clarify, because you're basically fully dehydrated at that point and your body quickly absorbs the first thing you put it in, which is one, the major reason why you should be rehydrating in the morning. And two, it's probably important to remineralize your water at that point. You could use an electrolyte powder, a high quality one with a good ratio of potassium, sodium, magnesium. You could use just a high quality sea salt. It should have those naturally occurring things. You could also just put a sea salt in a lime. All of that is pretty much good. And you could drink this water as fast as you possibly can. Your body will absorb it. You don't have to limit at the speed at which you yeah. drink it like you do at nighttime so you don't end up peeing yourself. Just a quick fact. When you're on an empty stomach, uh, the water actually passes from your mouth to your colon, a.k.a. your large intestine, where it gets absorbed in about five minutes. So yeah. that's how fast it is. And uh, just for like a little bit of scientific reasoning why you should be setting your circadian rhythm by looking at the sun so when you first stare at the sun even on a cloudy day on a sunny day in the morning it basically helps by increasing your early day cortisol release when you wake up your cortisol is as high as it should be in the morning we should also specify because we're doing specific protocols this needs to be before 9 a.m when the sun is at yeah. a low solar angle yeah so low angle sunlight when it gets higher the i'm pretty sure the uva or the uvb dips down one of them and then it becomes you shouldn't stare directly at the sun at that point it at that hurts. point you're burning you your tell. retina yeah yeah so basically staring at the sun in the morning or in the direction of the sun depends where you are how bright it is uh it basically spikes your early day cortisol release and then the higher your cortisol is earlier in the day the more it dips down later it helps you sleep at night it takes five to ten minutes on sunny days and about 15 to 20 minutes on cloudy days now like my brother already mentioned if it's dark when you get up you could just, a budget way to do it without buying a $100 yeah. lamp, we know situations are different, is basically flip on as many bright indoor artificial lights as possible. You might think, blue light in the morning, listen, situations call for what it is, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yeah. You can flip on as many indoor artificial lights as possible. When the sun's out, or when, if it's cloudy like it is here in New York, it's pretty much gray here, you can't tell when the sun is out. But you know you, where it you, is. You, could, you know where it is. The weather app um, can tell you. And like my brother mentioned, if you are... What, what can the weather app tell you? Well, the you? weather app tells you when the sun rises and when it sets. So you know like a good time for, him to, for when to start looking yeah. in the general direction. And now that we... Well, we know that the sun rises from the east. So say you are commuting to work. It would be ideal for you to take a path to work if you have the luxury to drive okay, there okay. and not use public transport let's be realistic to people are not going to take it. a longer path to work it might be an alternate path what they could do is just drop their windows down and yeah. make the sunlight get in yeah and while we're on the topic of the light so basically from the morning until the mid-afternoon using very bright overhead lights facilitates the release of dopamine norepinephrine epinephrine Basically, molecules associated with the motivation, attention, and drive within the body. And it helps you produce optimal amounts of cortisol to maximize your alertness and focus for work or other activities. So basically, increasing the ambient light of your workspace during the daytime. Uh, instead of this later as yeah, well. Instead of increasing the brightness of your computer screen, like, like we'll hit on later, placing wherever like you are doing work at, it basically helps signal to the brain to stay alert and everything else. So we got this waking up remineralizing staring at the sundown staring and at the sunset really quick to summarize all of this all this mumbo jumbo about 
taking a walk and looking at the sun or bright lamps, what does this actually mean for you? How do you benefit? Simply speaking, uh, your sleep cycle is going to feel so strong. And what this means is you'll be able to wake up at the same time every day without an alarm. And you're going to be able to get tired, very, very tired at the same time at night every day and fall asleep at the same time at night every day effortlessly. Yeah, that's what it pretty much means to have a strong circadian rhythm in place. Like, I don't remember the last time I've used an alarm. Probably when I had to get up at like 5 a.m. to drive somewhere. You have to be like in Zoom calls by like what, 8.30? I don't think you use alarms. My work days start at 7.30, 8, 8.30, and I don't use an alarm. Yeah. So kind of moving on to the next protocol for achieving a healthy lifestyle, a holistic lifestyle, is brushing your teeth. So everyone brushes their teeth. There might be some people that don't brush their teeth, but this is for the normal people. Uh, Ideally, when you're brushing your teeth, in this modern world, there's a lot of toxins, right? The water is polluted with fluoride. It's one of the reasons we use a reverse osmosis water system or we buy some kind of glass mineral water. So the best way that we personally use ourselves to brush our teeth is by using a natural powder and a wooden toothbrush that has boar hair bristles. So what's the reason we do this? The reason we do this is because, first of all, we want to minimize toxin exposure to microplastics, fluorides, parabens. We don't want to, although, although plastics are unavoidable in this modern world, that shouldn't mean that you shouldn't limit your, con, uh, your consumption and exposure to it. And for a natural powder, one very easy way to make one at home, like a home powder, instead of buying one online, is you can make your like, budget home powder by pretty much grounding eggshells that you have left over you could save a bunch of them and mixing in baking soda it's what all of the older generations did depending on which part of the world you come from because i know in africa they have they have like a plant that they chew on i I think they did this cassava they chew on the root of a plant and it pretty much cleans their inside of their mouth i know about that too yeah but the the eggshells have calcium and the baking soda has the properties that baking soda has that cleans it and that pretty much remineralizes your teeth with the calcium to make them but again, this is realistic for very busy people. They're not going to be making their own tooth powders. We don't even do that. To well, be perfectly you, make it in, you make it in bulk. But we don't even do that. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we opt there's for a the, lot. There's the a lot it. you can buy online, and we can provide some specific brands if you guys want us to. Um, that, yeah, like my brother was saying, use those ingredients. Yeah. And this seems kind of stupid, like change your toothbrush from a plastic one to a wooden boar bristle one. Change your toothpaste from a normal toothpaste to this powder. But it's actually not a small deal because the microplastics, the fluoride, and all these chemicals going into your mouth, into your oral microbiome, and even going down your esophagus, into your stomach, into your gut microbiome every single day is a pretty big deal. And this is one of those stupid little things that's actually kind of a big thing, but it's super easy to fix. Yeah, of course. So after, after you've woken up, you've viewed the sun, you drank your water, you brushed your teeth, the next thing to do is obviously to make breakfast. This is usually the most frantic part before work, and most people skip it and drink a coffee, which is also something you shouldn't do, which we hit on later as well. So to give you actionable protocols, here are some quick cook breakfast options if you have 10 minutes to cook and then clean your stuff after. Ground beef or scrambled eggs, just right off the bat. And now we can also provide you some no-cook breakfast options, which require absolutely zero prep. Well, one of these requires a little bit of prep. But before you go into that, Mm -hmm. some low-hanging fruit to kind of eliminate from those cooked breakfast options is you should obviously be cooking in things that are not non-stick. So the ground beef, you could usually cook it in a stainless steel pan or eggs on a well-seasoned cast iron or a carbon steel. No, the eggs won't stick if you know how to cook them properly. Avoiding the non-stick pretty much allows you to avoid the possibility of having PFAAs or forever chemicals leaching into your food. Mm-hmm. Yep. And really, nothing sticks to any of these pans if you know how to yeah. use it and if you use enough fat as well. Also, quick quick uh, side point. Ground beef for breakfast sounds very unnatural to a lot of people because yeah. like, you wake up, a lot of people don't want to start their day off with meat. But those fat-soluble and bioavailable nutrients within that beef, you could throw in an avocado in there. You could throw in some acidity. It really sits well, and it really gives you that fuel you need for the day. So, like, don't be afraid to start your day off with some kind of beef, even a steak, honestly. Steak and eggs, 
great breakfast. It's very satiating as well, ground beef. So for those of you who maybe have a problem with overeating or snacking, something like ground beef in the morning will satiate you for a good amount of hours afterwards. Yeah. And the point is it's super quick to make. It's a five-minute fry. Yeah, and you can also have it cold. Uh, you could meal prep it the day before. It's yeah. just it's super convenient, super easy. And cold ground beef is something we'll get into on the meal prep. But to give you guys the no-cook breakfast options, these require almost no time. You can eat raw cheese, avocado, fruits, sourdough toast. Just pop it in the toaster. Of course, there's nuance with sourdough, but... If, you, if, if tolerated. If tolerated, yeah, and if properly prepared. There's a lot of fake sourdough nowadays, too. Mm -hmm. uh, just raw milk. If you do have a bit more time, you can make a raw milk smoothie. All you have to really do is wash the blender. Uh, any leftover meat in the fridge, like if you have leftover steak, that's where the steak breakfast would come in. So there's a bunch of no-cook breakfast options. There's some quick-cook breakfast options that can be made in 5 to 10 minutes in the morning. Yeah. And I actually threw in some pairings here, like if you guys don't know any direction to go in with them. Uh, some raw cheese with some fruits and honey goes a long way. You get some high nutrients and some high caloric density from the raw cheese. It's very easily preparable. Some digestive enzymes from the honey. Quick caveat, some cheeses taste gross with honey. Well, yeah, maybe so you got to pair like, the cheese. like maybe Gruyere. Uh, everyone's yeah. taste buds are different. I pretty much like any cheese with honey. Uh, maybe, not, maybe not a salty sheep cheese. That yeah. probably wouldn't go as well. An easy raw milk smoothie recipe, obviously, if you don't have access to raw milk, depending on the state you live in, or if you can't find a local farmer, you could use some kind of low-temp milk. Uh, so a simple one would be some raw milk, some frozen wild blueberries, some raw eggs. You can even throw in a raw eggshell in there for some extra calcium if you want. Honey, and then some raw kefir from some probiotics if you have access to that as well. Another idea that you didn't have is, depends on the time. You could meal prep hard-boiled eggs the night before and leave them unpeeled. Wake up and peel them, top them with some raw cheese, some honey, some fruit. General guideline for all of these no-cook breakfast options is you want some kind of easy protein. You don't want to just overdo it on carbs in the morning with absolutely no protein or fats to satiate you. And with those proteins and fats, you want to pair them with some quick carbs for the energy to keep you going. And there is a third option for breakfast, which unless you have anything else to say about the cook and no cook options I could get into. Yeah, I've experimented with boiled eggs. The thing is, they take a long time to make. And when you came back from work and you have other obligations after work, that's, that's still going to be time you have to spend the day before. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, the last option, which more and more people seem to be doing nowadays and pushing it off until later, is intermittent fasting. Now, intermittent fasting, it's a valid option. I'm not going to say it's not a valid option. Obviously, some people want to opt for more sleep and wouldn't want to eat instead of that. So there's a lot of sides saying it's good or bad. Obviously, the best way to gauge is seeing how it works for you. So there are some upsides of intermittent fasting. You get a boost of IGF-1 and HGH after 15 hours. So it's a good boost. It also helps you feel alert and kind of like on edge. And that's because of the cortisol spike that you get. You put, basically put your body into this fight or flight. It's looking for food. And some people like that fight or flight feeling because they feel like they're more alert. They're able to get more work done. So in my opinion, it's not an issue unless you're doing highly extended daily fasting. I'm talking 20 to 24 hour fasts every day. Or you're underweight already. Yeah. So unless you're, if you want to skip breakfast and maybe instead of eating at 7.30 or 8 or 6.30, if you want to push it into like, 10, 10.30, whenever you have access to some high-quality food at your location of your job, that's completely fine. You shouldn't fear intermittent fasting. Obviously, gauge it off of what works best for you, how you feel. If it makes you too ravenous and you feel like you're going to cave on some kind of hyper-processed food or the first thing you see at the office, like say Mary from work brought in some donuts and you intermittent fasted that day uh -oh. and you're like, you know what? I didn't eat breakfast. I have the calories to spare. That's Obviously, where the problem starts. Yeah, maybe grab some, some cheese. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's another good point as well. It's going to be very individual dependent. Obviously, if you're overweight, intermittent fasting could be a good tool. If you're underweight, your body's kind of already under stress. It might not need any more. It's very dependent on the individual, but it should not be counted out. Um, so then the next point that this brings us to with breakfast Obviously, more important than breakfast to many people is coffee. 
So yeah. we want to stress here. Do not drink coffee immediately upon waking. Wait 90 to 120 minutes after you wake up. So if you wake up at 7, drink your coffee at 9. This is because coffee blocks the adenosine receptors from actually receiving the adenosine. And the adenosine is kind of what makes you tired. But for that first 90 to 120 minutes when you wake up, you have no adenosine coming into the receptors. The coffee is essentially doing nothing except maybe making you go to the bathroom sooner. Really quick, you do have some adenosine. It's simply just not fully built up to the point where you need coffee to suppress it at that point. That's okay. why you want to give it 60 to 90 minutes. 40 to 90 minutes with some leeway. Really so, 90 to 120. Yeah, well, it's person-dependent. But it basically allows your adenosine to build up so coffee could suppress it. Another reason is your cortisol should pretty much be the highest in the day when you're waking up. And if you immediately take caffeine after waking up, it just causes another cortisol spike. So that's obviously going to impact your circadian rhythm and you might have trouble falling asleep because your cortisol keeps having these peaks and valleys pretty much. And you cause your adrenal system to make more cortisol since there's no adenosine buildup for the coffee to suppress. Yeah, exactly. And the, the other thing is there's studies showing that drinking coffee too soon when you wake up does actually make it harder to sleep and causes more sleep disturbances even like 16 hours later when you are going to bed. Uh, again, some caveats with the coffee. Use reverse osmosis water, especially because it's getting boiled. Um, use mold and mycotoxin-free coffee. You know, there's some good options like Purity, maybe some other ones. Yeah, like Fabula Coffee, maybe opt for low acidity, depending on what kind of issues you may or may not have. There's a lot of solid options now. I feel like there's a lot more health-focused brands out there that are pretty much making uh, healthier versions of modern-day tools. Yeah, and what you would do here, obviously a lot of office buildings and a lot of jobs in general, almost every job offers free coffee. You really don't want to drink those coffees. Not only is the coffee itself toxic and possibly has mold in it, but those disposable cups, right? Imagine you spill coffee on paper. The paper gets drenched and it becomes all wet and obviously like it rips, etc. How do you think those paper cups maintain their form and don't get wet when you put the coffee into them? They're full, full of forever chemicals and they're full of other chemicals that I'm forgetting the name of, but they're even worse. So what you want to do is you want to just take this coffee into a thermos. Everyone has a coffee thermos and just bring it with you to work. Wait till like 9 a.m. Start drinking it. It'll still be fully hot. Yeah. And a lot of people also, they, they obviously run off a lot of coffees per day. So they take the one coffee in the thermos, they finish it. And now they have this urge to go get coffee. So say they took our advice and they're not getting hot coffee inside of these disposable cups. Some things to mention are K-cups are also a bad choice because they're kept in plastic, in little plastic K-cups, pretty much. And first of all, you don't know how old the coffee is. The to coffee, be fair, the coffee beans are also in a plastic bag. Yeah, but they are kept, that, they usually have the roasted date, and it's usually kept with that little air seal within the plastic thing itself to kind of keep the moisture in. You could tell the freshness of a coffee bean by whether or not you could see the essential oils on it, like whether it's glistening or not. So sometimes you can see some dry coffee beans. And then like whenever we buy purity coffee, I don't know if you've ever noticed. Not but affiliated. Yeah, we're not affiliated. But you could see like they, they look moist. They look like they have essential yeah, oil on yeah, them. Yeah, they do. Which pretty much signifies the freshness of the bean. And obviously when you ground the bean, it's already not fresh. And inside of the K-cups, it's pretty much all ground. And then the way these K-cups are getting brewed is inside of their little plastic storages, they pretty much blast hot water in it and, they, and then yeah. they squeeze it out. So now you have dry, dry old coffee, which isn't the highest quality, with a boatload of microplastics in it as well. Adding on to your microplastic count for, the, for, for your lifetime pretty much. And some other options to hit on are like some people might want to go to Starbucks or they go to Dunkin' Donuts. First of all, that's pretty much an unnecessary money burn. At this point, coffee is costing you anywhere from 5 to $10, yeah. especially in urban areas. And just some interesting facts. So the, it's expensive, and the beans they use aren't quality tested. Starbucks, Starbucks refuses to reveal whether or not the coffee they use is GMO. They won't say it isn't, which pretty much means that it is. And yeah. if you are going to these places and you're not specific about your order, Starbucks black coffees are 
specified by the managers to the employees that they have to have 10 grams of added sugar in there unless you tell them otherwise. Oh so say God. you go into Starbucks. I don't even know that. Say you go into Starbucks and you ask for a black coffee, no cream. Unless you specify you don't want any sugar in it, they do put 10 grams or two pumps of sugar in there. That's crazy. So here you are thinking you're staying in your intermittent fasting or you're having a no-calorie <laughs> beverage. You're actually getting 10 grams of processed, Surprise. bleached, blanched sugar. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a, that's a good caveat. That's good to know. All right. So now we have woken up. We've brushed our teeth. We've made breakfast. We've made our coffee that we're bringing to work. Depending on how much you need, use a bigger thermos so that it lasts you for however much coffee you drink every day. Cut off your coffee drinking around 1 p.m. at the latest so that it doesn't affect your sleep. That's yeah. a, a good uh, sort of threshold to go by. Now we're going to get into a big topic here. Meal prep for work. Obviously, many people in New York, I feel like working in 8 to 6 is normal. Many people are working in 9 to 5. So meal prep is going to be a big deal. You're going to want one or two meals to bring to work or maybe one meal and a snack. And if you had a small breakfast, probably two meals. Yeah. Unless you're a very small person, you might need to eat less. So ultimately, shout out to this guy on TikTok named Jack Deets because I stole this from him. He's not aligned with the lifestyle. His, his, his lifestyle is pretty processed. He's, it's so entertaining, though. He's a freak of nature. Yeah. Um. Yeah, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. That's what he says, and it's true. So let us give you some specific protocols on how to meal prep in bulk for people with busy schedules who have no time. This is super easy, super fast, and you could do it for the whole week. And this, this section might take up a bit, so feel free to chime in wherever. Mm -hmm. So super easy bulk meal prep will usually involve two things, ground beef, and organic white rice, the Lundberg brand, is a good one. It's more on the expensive side, but it's a good place to put your money. There's 20-pound bags of organic white rice pretty much anywhere, like yeah. Costco, Sam's Club, Amazon. It's You can find inexpensive options. And even if it's organic, white rice is still probably the cheapest food you can possibly eat. Yeah, don't, don't opt for brown rice because the hull isn't removed and the arsenic levels are just through the roof on the brown rice. It's also harder to digest, especially if you already have digestive issues. Yeah. So, and you're going to need a rice cooker for this. This meal prep will take you approximately 15 minutes in your entire week, one time to do. What you're going to do is just simply fry up two to three pounds of ground beef. Depend how fatty it is and how much you need honestly depends on your goals, your energy expenditure, your size as a person. Uh, this ground beef will easily keep in the refrigerator five to six days. It takes 10 minutes to fry. Or, um, or actually, I'll, I'll hit on this later. And then for the rice cooker, you'd essentially want to cook a full rice cooker. I know for hours, it's like five cups. And use that to pair with the beef. Now, if you can tolerate resistant starch in rice, what you would just do is simply prep a week's worth of white rice in your rice cooker and refrigerate it. Now you have three pounds of ground beef. You have like seven servings of white rice. That's your meal prep for the week. Pair that with any fruit, cheese. You could ration it out if you want, or you could just keep it in big containers and take it every day. That's how I used to do it. Yeah, and this is pretty much applicable to any starch. It doesn't have to be white rice. Depending on what you could tolerate, you can make that maybe a sourdough pasta, or even better one, you could just bring cold bread with you or a sweet potato, or white potato, or quinoa, if you could tolerate that, buckwheat, pretty much any starch that can be made at a mass scale. Yeah, rice is simply the cheapest and easiest option. So if you can tolerate the resistant starch, you make the beef, you make the rice, refrigerate it, you have your meals for the week. Pair it with fruit, cheese, whatever you want. If you can't tolerate resistant starch, you need more easily digestible carbs, this is going to take you an extra 10 minutes every day. Every night before you go to sleep, you should get one of those Zoji Rushi rice cookers. It's one of the most worthwhile investments anyone can ever make. Everyone who's bought one will tell you that. They can keep your rice warm for up to 48 hours. What you do is every night, just take 10 minutes to wash your rice, put, start up the rice cooker, and then every morning you have fresh, warm rice. Invest into a small bowl that's like a thermos. 
put the rice in there, put the beef that you prepare that's refrigerated in with that, the thermos will keep your beef and rice hot the whole day. And again, if you need like two meals, just get a bigger thermos and just eat it half and half at work. You can scale all of this without adding any extra effort or work to your day. Yeah, and a low-hanging fruit is make sure that you're storing this meal prep inside of glass Tupperware instead of plastic. Like I said, plastic's unavoidable. This doesn't mean we shouldn't still try to make conscious efforts to reduce the plastic use in modern day-to-day -day life. Yeah, making a one-time switch in your house from all plastic to all glass Tupperware is super worth it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and by doing this, you basically have a hot, fresh meal every single day. Maybe it'll be cold if you choose to refrigerate all the rice. I mean, in college, I used to meal prep beef rice, and I cooked it in ghee. And it was very plain. You could honestly feel free to spice up. You can also meal prep, like, you could take some raw yogurt and add some cumin, paprika, and cilantro to it. And you have this kind of, like, Middle Eastern sauce. Tzatziki-ish. Tzatziki-ish, yeah. You keep it separate from the meal prep and then you take that to work with you so now you have this beef and rice and you have this sauce as well it doesn't have to be plain whatever you could stick to the most and make meals you actually enjoy with that's what's going to keep you on track to actually meal prep you shouldn't want to make meal prep that you dread eating as well because you're already dreading yeah. the meal prep you should make a meal prep that you feel like you want to eat throughout the week yeah that's true and again if you have the time you could feel free to make all those changes if you're super, super constrained, just the beef and rice will work yeah. for, for people like that. Um, okay, so now you have either your one or two servings of beef and rice and fruit and cheese and whatever you need for the day. We're going to go into the after work routine after this meal prep and obviously eating at work and other nuances like that. You'd also want to bring a small pre-workout meal. So what you could do for that is simply bring some fruits, uh, maybe a jar of honey. That's kind of pushing it. The other thing I've <laughs> noticed here is that, and this is from personal experience of doing this, when I had to commute to Midtown Manhattan, I don't have to commute every day for my job, but I've had a fair bit of commuting that I've had to do. Your backpack will be heavy. There's no way of avoiding this, especially if you're bringing a thermos, uh, a thermos for your coffee, maybe a glass Tupperware, fruits. Your backpack will be heavy. There's no getting around it. It is what it is. Think of it as rucking, pretty much. Think of it as rucking. Or maybe if you're not in a major city, you're just driving and you don't even have to worry about yeah. that. So my brother said bringing honey is pushing it. I, I disagree. I had a, a roommate in college, still friends with him. And he pretty much, no matter what class he went to, he was a TA for the math department. He'd just bring honey with him everywhere. And I've never seen anyone consume honey at the rate at which he did. He probably <laughs> went through like a like a, a one pound jar, a glass jar in about three days to solo. And he'd just use it as pre-workout. He'd bring it to the gym with him. It's a super easily digestible carb source that agrees with a lot of people. Also, if you forget a fruit with you, a lot of offices, they'll, they'll, pretty much anywhere in America, you can get a banana at for like 10 cents. You could, yeah. So say this meal prep doesn't work out one week something happened so i have a bunch of worst case scenarios that could happen that basically eating on the go you how to avoid the worst case scenarios so there's a lot of new apps like seed oil scout or local fats which if you don't know what they are they're basically based off user reports and people go to these restaurants and they ask the waiters or they email the restaurants what kind of cooking oils the restaurants use for their food now, obviously, seed oils aren't the only problems within the food. There's still things like how processed it is, the emulsifiers, the binders, the gums, the quality of the meat, the quality of the bread, a lot of nuances that go into it, but it's a start. So basically, if a restaurant knows about seed oils, like if they specify that there's no seed oils on the menu, it probably means that the restaurant also knows that their food is high quality or ensures that their food is high quality. So Just I've, real quick. Sorry, sorry. It's yeah, no, you go ahead. These restaurants, they only exist in major cities. Yeah, that is another caveat. <laughs> uh, but Seed Oil Scout is going pretty, pretty like crazy. A lot of these even like rural-ish areas are starting to get restaurants pop up that don't use seed oils. So I actually ranked some options here. So for like some cheap options, some safer options, any kind of beef and rice will do. If you look at something like Chipotle, 
This will have a small amount of rice bran oil, but the saturated fats within the steak should combat the polyunsaturated fats found within the rice bran oil to kind of even it out a little bit. But just a base chipotle bowl with some white rice, some guac and steak, and that's it. Maybe some salsa will be a decent option. Something like Steak Shack or In-N-Out, just plain. I know in In-N-Out it's called the Flying Dutchman. It's literally just beef and cheese. Or if you go to Five Guys... I'd or, honestly avoid the cheese. It's American cheese. Yeah. Or if you go to Five Guys, you could get like a lettuce-wrapped burger or something like that. You could also go to a supermarket, any supermarket, get some kind of fruit and some kind of meat stick, like a grass-fed meat literally stick. Literally a fruit. Like a, yeah, like a jerky. Another safe bet is some kind of artisanal pizza for cheap. If they're using extra virgin olive oil... That's also just New York. No, there's some places anywhere, like in other cities. But if they're using extra virgin olive oil, and then they're using a decent quality dough and some tomatoes, you're honestly safe there with some good quality cheese. Some more expensive options, which if you have the luxury to afford to eat, uh, not on a daily basis, but for when these scenarios do come up, are steakhouses usually use fire for their steaks, some kind of fish grilled in extra virgin olive oil, kebab houses, Greek spots. A general rule for these type of spots is if, if you avoid the fryer, you could probably ask them to swap the oil for a different kind of oil. Yeah. A lot of these spots, they have extra virgin olive oil, but they try to use it in select dishes or select <laughs> vinaigrettes or marinades. They don't want to use it on everything. So if you go in there and you make a conscious effort, I know there's a lot of things now like allergy cards. I know yeah, some people yeah. make like, I'm allergic to seed oils. Or if you go to a waiter and be like, I have like a deathly hypoallergenic like state where I go into, if I, need, if I eat seed oils, I need an EpiPen. They're going to like do their <laughs> absolute best to ensure they don't get some kind of lawsuit against them. So there are options for the worst case of you forgetting their, the, the meal, meal prep for the week. So don't, don't feel like you're, you're lost and you have to succumb to bad food. There are ways to avoid that, you know, bad food when eating out. Yeah, those are, those are good options as well. To be a devil's advocate to that, don't let, it be an, don't let your lack of preparation be an excuse to go get something like five guys patties. Yeah, failing to prepare well. is preparing to fail. Try, try your best to really prepare. The sourcing of the food matters a lot. And yeah. you can only control that if you source it yourself. One final point I had here, uh, you're already bringing the thermos of coffee with you. If you drink a lot of water, you should also bring that with you. There's also reverse osmosis waters you can buy, like that essential water. They are a little pricey. They're pricey, but you could get them in most places. Here's the other thing. A lot of people think coffee dehydrates you, but it doesn't. You use a lot of water when you make coffee. So coffee actually mm -hmm. hydrates you. It does sap some minerals, yeah, which is a different story. It demineralizes you, but it doesn't dehydrate you. But it doesn't dehydrate you. So if you're drinking a lot of coffee, you're actually getting hydrated. Yeah, the reason you pee a lot when you drink a lot of coffee is because it acts as a diuretic. Yeah. And kind of the last point I had about eating well at the office is avoid mindless snacking constantly at the office. Or so anywhere. Pretty much anywhere, yeah. A lot of people, they feel like they need to be chewing on something or they constantly need to be drinking something that's flavored especially that's why a lot of these receptionists have like that little bucket of candy at their desk i feel like they're always eating when you're always eating something and you're always drinking some kind of sugary beverage it doesn't give your body enough time to fully clear out the waste and to level out your blood sugar levels if you feel like you this is just unavoidable for you you need to chew some kind of gum or you need some kind of stimulus like of chewing Get something like a mastic gum, a high-quality mastic gum. If you don't know what mastic gum is, it's basically these droplets that come from trees in kiosk, kiosk grease. And it's basically like the sap of the tree. And you could chew it, don't swallow it, and it's actually beneficial for you. It gives you that sensation like you're chewing gum. You won't get singled out by your coworkers for doing something weird because they won't know about it. And it actually has a lot of very positive digestive enzymes for your gut that improve digestion. It helps fight off H. pylori. And it's just like, it's a little expensive. It's a lot more, it's a lot more expensive than actual gum. And it takes like a lot of getting used to because it's, it's very like malleable. Like say you're chewing on mastic gum and you drink some hot water. You need to learn how to chew it basically. Yeah. It's like, it's like a skill kind of like if you're chewing mastic gum and you drink hot water, it gets super sticky and like very soft. But then when you're chewing mastic gum, you drink cold water, it becomes very hard and brittle. Like, and if you chew it, it breaks into a million pieces. Oh, you don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
All right. So now you know what to bring to the office. Now you actually have to eat in the office. And as I, I've mentioned, I have plenty of experience with this. So I'll give you guys my best advice on this. Your best bet, and this doesn't just go for eating, this goes for general sitting at your desk as well, is to take small breaks to walk around office buildings, but especially after eating. Now, at least in Manhattan, taking one lap around a large corporate office building can easily take up five minutes. And it's actually a long way to walk, just one lap around the floor. And just doing that three, four, or five times a day is super beneficial rather than just literally sitting all day, and especially after you eat. And that's pretty easy to do. Every time you go to the bathroom, just instead of going back to where you were sitting from, take the full lap around. And that's already like, if you go to the bathroom only two times, and then you eat one time, that's three full laps around the office. Another caveat is if you're in New York, you're already hitting 15,000 steps a day just to get to work. So it's not really needed. But if you're not in a situation like that, then you should make some concerted effort to at least just take five minute walking breaks because it makes a huge difference, not just for digestion, obviously for digestion goes without saying, but also just for your well-being and your mental well-being and taking some sort of break from the work. Another uh, piece of advice I had is to sit next to windows. Although the UV light doesn't come through the windows, which is also why you don't want to view the sun in the morning through a window, uh, it still impacts your mood. Yeah. Bright light itself, independent of the UV, has huge effects on mood. Yeah. So making that effort to sit in open spaces next to windows is huge when you're working in an office. Yeah. If people can take smoke breaks, you can take stretch and digest breaks. Some people are going outside so many times to smoke. You can use the same exact reason to get up and walk around. I know in Japan, it's pretty funny right now. The smoking culture is so heavy there right now that a lot of these CEOs at bigger companies are saying that they're pretty much just going to deduct the time people are smoking and taking smoke <laughs> breaks from their paychecks because it's so much that it adds up to literal hours every week. And you did mention that after a heavy meal or just after a meal in general, a five to 10 minute digestion walk can be beneficial. Just around so, the floor. Yeah. The reason why it's beneficial is it'll basically help stabilize your blood sugar levels after a bigger meal and it'll aid in digestion. Just walking in general, it'll help the food go down and it'll kind of get rid of like that bloated feeling you might have and it'll help with brain fog. So when you do have to return to that very concentration heavy work, you won't feel like you're kind of everywhere. You'll just be able to get back and you'll just be able to concentrate on the work you have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the main benefit I've seen from walking after meals is it like mechanically literally makes the food go down. Yeah, when you're walking around it... If anyone's a runner, you guys will know, like, like I go on runs pretty frequently. When I hit mile three or mile four, there's so much shaking inside of my body that I kind <laughs> of need to use the bathroom. So, like, mile four, I start getting, like, stomach. And that's because you're moving around your, not your bowels, but, like, your intestines. Your just stomach is just going back and forth, and it's just it's it's excreting movement. the waste within your body. The same kind of logic applies for a five to ten minute digestion walk, obviously scaled down at a much larger level. Yeah. And to hit on the smoking point, at least in pretty health conscious cities like New York, smoking culture is not a thing. It's vaping so no, now. No one, yeah, it's, it's vaping now. But no one's going outside to smoke. You don't really need any excuse to do anything. If you just go to the bathroom and spend five extra minutes walking around, no one's going to say anything. Yeah, the, the major key here is don't let other people's judgment impact you from yeah. being your healthier self. Exactly. Another quick point I had, use stairs instead of escalators. I know, again, in New York, it's all skyscrapers, huge office buildings, plenty of escalators. You can't avoid using the elevator, obviously, but you could avoid using the escalator. For extra testosterone boost, you have to make sure to run up the stairs two <laughs> or three steps at a time yeah. to assert dominance. Run really fast. All right, so you've brought your meal prep to work, you've eaten it, you've incorporated movement and digestion and sunlight in your workday, you've eaten your little pre-workout snack. You're 70% there. Now you have to go to the gym after work. The biggest thing here is, first of all, you need to bring a change of clothes, and the biggest thing is you must go to the gym immediately after work. Don't even think about going home. Going home is a huge mistake. 
especially if you have a family, unless you have a home gym. Unless you have a home gym, yeah. Obviously, we don't have a family or kids, so not speaking from experiences, but you're kidding yourself if you think that you're going to go home, see your kids and your wife, your husband, your family, have all that exhaustion built up from waking up at 6 in the morning, going to work, etc., and then you think you're still going to go to the gym. You must go to the gym immediately after work. Even if you don't have a family and kids, you live alone, maybe you still live at home. A long day of work is going to be exhausting, especially if you have to commute and not drive. And the fatigue will all set in once you get home, once you start to wind down from the work environment, that mental compartmentalization takes place. It's just going to be very difficult to get yourself to the gym, even if you're super committed. Um, Yeah, one final point is that you go to the gym after work, you bring a change of clothes, 30 to 45 minutes of an intense workout is all you need there. You do that five to six Mm -hmm. times a week, you simply don't need any more if you're bringing the intensity. Even three times a week, honestly. Three times full upper body. And some options, if you simply just cannot make the gym like you, or you just can't afford a gym, a lot of these urban cities that require you to pretty much go into work, they have some kind of outdoor calisthenics area. Now, this is highly dependent on the weather and the location that you're in. A lot of these cities have constant snow or constant rain. It's not as accessible. But say you do have access to some kind of outdoor calisthenics area, some functional movement training, like pull-ups, dips, some calisthenics, some ab training, that'll get you just as not just as far in terms of a physique and hypertrophy-wise, but it'll help you upkeep a healthy physique yeah. and not let you get out of shape. A lot of these people are like, they, they, they built up a healthy, strong foundation of a physique without much hypertrophy work, like Paul Saladino, like, uh, what's that guy? The knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick. Just doing some kind of functional movement training, some in, like with purpose of moving your body, getting it into positions that it's not normally in in your day-to-day, that'll also help you kind of like release stress. It'll help you keep up your physique. It'll help you stay active and healthy. So don't think that the gym is the only option. There are a lot of different options out there as well. And here's the other thing. Maybe even go for a run. Maybe, if you want to. If you hate yourself. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the health benefits of resistance training max out somewhere around one hour a week. Like, it's that low. Obviously, if you want to build up a physique, you're going to need more than that. But the health benefits of it, um, of the lean mass, of the actual physical activity of resistance training... It's just around two workouts of 30 minutes a week. Anything after that in terms of hypertrophy, it's ego-based, which I'm not saying is bad. That, having a good, bad, uh, high ego really. isn't bad. It's actually good in a lot of senses. And a lot of these people that are in the science-based space, they have these very intricate, super detailed routines. Like I'm pretty sure Andrew Huberman's seven-day routine is like the first day is some kind of strength-based <laughs> exercise. Then it has to be a 45-minute zone two exercise. God forbid he goes into zone three. Then day three is like a one hour and 45 minute cycle of hot and cold exposure back and forth. Like obviously a lot of people, they just simply don't have time for this. So once again, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Three times, two times a week, really all you need is some kind of light movement, especially if you're walking enough already. No, no, no. It should be intense if you're doing two times a week. It it depends. If you have those 10,000 steps a day, it's... We can't say that you're not healthy. 10,000 steps a day, you're already at a good baseline. If you can walk 10,000 steps a day comfortably, you're at a good point already. At that point, functional movement training, some kind of physique training, it'll only help you get better. But we're not saying the baseline of 10,000 steps a day is bad. Yeah, yeah, all good points. Mainly, just get to the gym immediately after work, and then whatever it is you like to do, you can do that. So after you've gone to the gym, uh, you could shower in the gym. That's one option. It's very convenient and it's something I've done in the past. But I would prefer to go home to shower and use a shower filter because all that same stuff that's in the tap water that you don't want to drink is also in the shower water and it gets absorbed through your skin. Now, most shower filters, they'll only remove chlorine, which I guess that's just what you'll have to go with. We have a shower filter from Berkey, not affiliated, which only removes chlorine. But I do notice a huge difference. When I traveled recently, um, and I was staying in Airbnb, 
the water there, I didn't test it, but I knew it was so bad because I physically could not run my hands through my hair after showering. <laughs> Um, so it makes a huge difference even just removing the chlorine. I don't know if you know of any better options that remove other things. There's a lot of 21, 22. I don't think there's any 23 stage water filters, but these 21 and 22 stage water filters, they're relatively affordable. You don't have to ball out and get something like Berkey, like Jolie. Well, ours was only like 60 bucks. Yeah. A lot of them are super affordable. There's some good brands. I know Organic Jaguar has a good one. I know Multipure has a good one. Berkey has a good one. They pretty much... If you want to test your water filter, you can't run it under a total dissolved solid test, a TDS tester, because it won't show any difference. That's because the shower filters, for the most part, they generally remove just heavy metals. They don't remove the total dissolved solids. Um, but they're very portable as well. They last a long time. It's a very cheap upfront cost of like $40 to $60. Yeah. It lasts like six months, and it's totally a worth year. it. It's literally you're putting it all over your skin. Your skin absorbs exactly what you want exactly what you put on it it's the largest organ on the body it's a complete worthwhile investment and this also like leads us into the nighttime routine all right so you pretty much maximized your day you have everything sorted out from morning to night you get home so your nighttime routine ideally should be very similar well, what about dinner yeah that's in the nighttime that's part, routine. Of, that's part okay. of my nighttime routine yeah so it's very similar to the morning routine depending what time you get home this might have already went past but you want to view the sunset the same way that viewing the sunrise works on your circadian rhythm, it helps set it. Viewing the sunset also helps solidify your circadian rhythm by making you feel sleepy. So if you're driving home from work, crack down your window, look at it. If you're at home already, you want to catch like at that point where like the sun almost outside is starting to become orange, purplish before it becomes fully black. And once you view that, you're pretty much good. You want to, at that point, start minimizing slowly and slowly your blue light exposure. So in regards to the dinner meal that you mentioned, if Wait, it's... I, I want to hit on the sunset as yeah, well. Go ahead. I think for both of us, um, realistically, this is something we're not very good at. I know for myself, at least, catching the sunset, it either slips my mind. From our location where we live, it's it, also it's, hard to yeah, see it. It sucks. So the morning light is probably 90% of it. And then the afternoon is the extra 10. Yeah once again don't let perfect be the enemy of good yeah so in terms of the dinner meal if it's not already meal prepped i personally believe that a dinner meal higher in carbs will help you sleep better you can add in some kind of carbs from a starch or maybe some fruit or some honey and the reason why is that carbs they release serotonin into the body which if you don't know it's basically the feel good sleepy tired happy hormone so basically nighttime in my opinion it's serotonin max time, which I, I mean, personally, I don't really eat much carbs in the morning because I want to avoid that serotonin in the morning. So I don't want to feel tired. But at nighttime, it's very good to have a lot of carbs. You get that serotonin up. You become very sleepy. You become very tired. You become very content, which is like perfect to transition you into that nighttime. So you eat that meal. And then at this point, you want to try to limit heavy blue light exposure Obviously, no one's eating a meal and then they're not going to do anything except for read a book. Okay, it's the modern day. You want to relax. You want to unwind. You want to get on social media, catch up with your friends, uh, maybe work on a side business that will get you out of your nine to five job. In general, I follow, I try to follow the three, two, one rule, which if you guys don't know, three hours before the time you go to sleep is when you should cut off eating. Two hours before the time you go to sleep is when you should cut off drinking. And one hour before you go to sleep is when you should cut off electronics. I'm not particular on the last one. I usually work in, until at least 30 minutes before I go to sleep. And then I go on my phone until I go to sleep. So don't beat yourself up over it. Overstressing on the nuanced details, especially in a holistic lifestyle, will only bring about worse things. It'll yeah. put your headspace into like an overstressed one. No, sympathetic. Yeah, it'll put your headspace into a very bad one you'll overstress, your cortisol will spike. It'll basically just, it'll, the mind frame that you're in when you're thinking about the, the best ways to maximize your life is very vital as well. Like there's a lot of these people that are like over dogmatic about the foods they consume to the point where they view going out once a year with friends at a not so healthy restaurant as a bad thing instead of a good thing. In the, in the grand scheme of things, life is short. You have to make time or Take the hit, I like to say, 
for uh, a better experience in terms of lifestyle for a hit in terms of the healthiness portion of it that if you understand yeah no your mental is huge and there's a reason that placebo effect is real and that the placebo effect has similar biological effects in the body to the medications they're testing it against it's because your your mind is very powerful and it truly exists yeah so everything that you just hit on i i also kind of have some additional points different angles to hit it from mm -hmm. so once you come home shower you're basically home free you could spend time with your loved ones if you live alone, you get to kind of choose to wind down and do what you enjoy. I want to say you should take some time for yourself to wind down and focus on cooking a delicious, nutritious post-workout meal. Cook things that you're interested in as long as you're using high-quality, meticulously sourced ingredients. This will be delicious. This will be like a hobby for you that you get to develop. And the cooking skills you develop will stick with you for life. Yeah, really quick. Cooking is a very, very underlooked but super valuable skill that I feel like every man should have. When I first started out cooking... And woman. Yeah. Well, man and woman. I think it's mostly guys watching this. I mean, hopefully it's gross too. <laughs> but, uh, True. Yeah. I think like when I first started cooking, I really didn't know how to make anything. If you experiment with high-quality foods, like my brother said, you could pretty much throw anything together and find what works. Ultimately, it'll all taste good in the end. Exactly, and those are my next points as well. So like dinner time is a time to make something that you really want. You can make anything, any of your favorite foods, you can make them with meticulously sourced organic whole foods ingredients, and it'll be a hundred times more delicious than anything you could take out. So it's the time to make something like I'm not that creative. So like steak and potatoes, that still only takes like 15 minutes. <laughs> Bro spent 20 minutes talking about <laughs> how to cook an exquisite meal instead yeah. of steak and potatoes. But you could make steak and potatoes exquisite. You could, yeah. you could take it, you could dice them, you could make an awesome sauce like chimichurri, maybe like a tzatziki sauce, put some extra virgin olive oil, pop them in the, uh, the oven for the steak. You put some nice herbs, you butter baste it, you rest it. It could it, something like that. Yeah. Dinner's the time to go all out. Maybe make a fresh salad, like mango, avocado, olive oil. Just something, something more special and higher effort. Uh, like I said, it'll be more delicious than anything you can order in. If you have kids and you've come home, you can include their dinner here as well, and it'll only benefit them. It'll be a nutritious, delicious meal for the entire family. And before you go on, this is something that a lot of Western society, I feel like, is diverting from a lot compared to the Eastern cultures is having that one or multiple set family meal. At Wait, this point... Didn't you tell me yesterday night you weren't eating? Well, yesterday night, I didn't eat dinner. So <laughs> we, couldn't have, we couldn't have the family meal. But in Western culture right now, I feel like everyone starts to eat at separate times. There's no more of that like full family come together and enjoy like a full dinner meal where dad has like the biggest piece of meat and mom's cooking and the kids are eating and it's very homey. So if you guys have a family, you could strive for that. If you're the kids, if you are the child of the family, you can orchestrate something with your parents, time for when they come home. Or if you live with a part, if you live with the roommates, that's no reason not to try this kind of thing. Uh, a strong bond between men or between women, it has the same effect of eat it as a strong bond between family. And that, that leads me perfectly into my next point, which is now you've completed your dinner, it's really your time of the day. After dinner, try to spend as much time as you can with family, loved ones, friends. If you can't do that, just try to do something you're passionate about or enjoy. Whether it's building a business, just researching, making content, consuming content, something as simple as gaming or watching shows. Um, we do have some actual protocols here. Make sure all your screens are on night light or night mode. Basically, every phone, every computer, every TV has this nowadays. Max it out. Max out the slider so it's it, fully on the red it'll light. It'll pretty much be red. Yeah. It, it'll be red, and it won't have that same dopaminergic effect that the blue light has. You'll notice when you look at the screens, it's kind of annoying to look at them, it which should sort of pain. be the point. You could also uh, opt to get some blue light blocking glasses, like some red lens glasses. There's a lot of expensive options out there, but you can achieve the same effect with some cheaper options. It's basically just... Glasses. You can also get some stylish ones so you could wear them out if you like to go out and enjoy like a night out as well and you don't want to absorb that blue light into your eyes. 
you can get some stylish ones. I know RA Optics, they are a little pricey. We're not affiliated, but they have some nice looking ones. They're very similar to Ray-Bans in style, but they block blue light. Or if you're just staying inside and you have a device that doesn't have um, a nightlight feature, which pretty much most do at this point, but if, if you just don't want to use it or it just doesn't have it or it doesn't go as red as you want it to, you could throw on some $20 pair of blue light blocking glasses. It'll achieve the same effect. To be honest, if you max out the sliders, it's already going to be fully red. Yeah. So you won't be needing any of that. Um, so yeah, the point is, after you have your dinner, even during you have the time you're having your dinner, during you're cooking it, just try to do things that you enjoy as much as possible. Spend time with the people you love, the people you enjoy spending time with, and just do things you're passionate about. Um, you know, the science on social connection is pretty insane. It's the number one determining factor of health and uh, longevity, both of those, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, you've now basically had an extremely packed, busy, inflexible day that you've turned into a day of holistic health. And you've avoided all the traps like coffee, food, not going to the gym, not being active, uh, environmental toxins. You've replaced them with easy, holistic, healthy options that even on the tightest of schedules, you can make work. And now it's time to go to sleep. Some final caveats here. Try to sleep in a cool room of at most 69 degrees. Lower is better. You can add as many blankets as you'd like to stay warm. There's no limit. But as long as the room is cool, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. If you're open to it, mouth taping makes a huge difference in how refreshed you feel after sleeping. For me, mouth taping was probably the biggest game changer that even rivals sun viewing. Not an ad. In, it, yeah, it's not an ad. You could use whatever tape you want. Um, in the difference it makes, it even rivals sun viewing for me. Like you're basically spending the whole night with your mouth fully shut, breathing only out of your nose. Not only does this put your system into more of a parasympathetic state, and it regulates your CNS. It's just the feeling of how refreshed you are when you wake up is pretty crazy. That's just something if you're open to it. Some mouth tape comments. So if you have a beard, there are a lot of mouth tape companies out there. It is a little pricey, but they have tape that won't affect your beard. It won't. It won't. Like, Besides ripping it, rip out. it out painfully. <laughs> um, no, it'll when you it buy out. them. Yeah, but if you don't have a beard like myself, because um, I can't grow one. You can get, you can basically just search up on Amazon 3M medical tape. And I think it's $5 for two massive rolls. It's 100% cotton. I don't know how. But I literally put a thin sliver on. I've been doing it for about five, five months now. And I haven't even finished half of one roll. So it was the most inexpensive option. And at this point, sometimes I don't even want to wear mouth tape. And I find myself nose breathing throughout the yeah. night as well. So that is a very big thing. Another huge thing, which I don't know if you're going to mention, I'm just going to quickly throw in here. Have a window open when you sleep. That natural fresh air that comes in while you're sleeping helps with the quality of sleep massively. There's also something just euphoric and very like pleasant about waking up to the sounds of nature and the outdoors, like bird noises, which is just another benefit of having that window open while you sleep. Very climate dependent as well. Yeah, don't don't leave it open if it's raining and flood your house. Yeah, or you can overheat your room, or you can make it fifty degrees. Depending I mean, I love a fifty degree room. Uh, some final comments on mouth tape. No, you're not going to choke to death. Your body will literally wake you up and open your mouth. It's as simple as that. And uh, an even further benefit is that it also trains your nasal passages to open up. So like. Not, it, your nose won't literally get bigger, but the actual nasal passages towards the top of your nose will actually widen and dilate the more you nasal breathe during sleep. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like interesting how the body works. It's like you could go to sleep, you could get, be getting ready to go to sleep, and you could have the most clogged nose and be actively mouth breathing. But the second you restrict your body's ability to breathe out of the mouth, it's kind of just like telling yeah. you, all right, fine. And then it unblocks your nose and you find that you could fully breathe out of your nose. It's like once you don't give it that option of mouth breathing anymore, it basically resorts to nose breathing, yeah. which kind of tells you like it always has that option. But until you force it to no longer to, on, to only act on that option, 
it'll only then start nosebleeding. That's completely true. And yesterday I was having, for some reason, my nose was stuffed. And I was literally blowing my nose like right before I was going to sleep. And I still mouth taped. And yeah, at this point, I'm very used to it. I've been mouth taping for months, so I've adapted. But in, like my nose went from clogged to working perfectly fine as soon as I put the mouth tape on. This won't work if you're sick. If you're sick, your nose will really be blocked. You're done. But if you're just having allergies or something, or you just perpetually can't breathe through your nose, this is something you should really look into. When you're sick, you go into that depressed phase of thinking about all the times <laughs> your nose could breathe normally. Yeah. So I think that's everything we had. That's literally wake-to-sleep protocols for a super busy-packed life. Yeah, and just kind of a last point. Try to stick by an 80-20 or maybe even a 90-10. We're more, we're, we're more so on the 99-1 rule on this. 95-5. But more so stick to a 90-10. And another point is, say you wake up and you don't hit one of these bullet points. Don't let that act as a trigger to derail everything else that you've done during the day and that you have the rest of the day to do. Say you have to drink a coffee that's not proper. That doesn't mean that you should also eat out that day. It also doesn't mean that you should only consume blue light the second you get to uh, get to your house. You shouldn't talk to your family. You shouldn't work out. Don't let, once again, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Stick to a 90-10 rule. Allow enjoyment in your life. Ultimately, that's what makes the holistic lifestyle you live truly easily livable is by allowing for those imperfections to happen and letting them be part of your life and enjoying them as well. Obviously, without, without darkness, there isn't light. So ha- kind of like enjoy both parts of it. Enjoy the failures, enjoy the successes. And like the same thing in a lot of businesses, it's not the goal, it's the journey to the goal that makes the person strive to it. Yeah. yeah that's pretty much all we had. It's a wrap on uh, pretty much maximizing your holistic life in a busy lifestyle. We'll be back for Vrillcast 5.